sometimes people take issue with him not being clear about where he specifically lands on his faith and specifically Christianity. So you might say, well, people say, Christians say, well, if you believe in Christ, you're saved. Well, what do you mean by believe? Exactly. Bruce Lawn. Jordan Peterson is someone that's very polarizing in our culture as of late with some of his comments on the LGTV. And he's also someone that is a breath of fresh air, many would say. And him leaning into the conversation of faith and religion with his panels on things like the Exodus are fascinating. But sometimes people take issue with him not being clear about where he specifically lands on his faith, and specifically Christianity, and people kind of find that frustrating. Well, he did this biblical literacy, Logos and Literacy series, and going over the history of the Bible, going to the Bible Museum in D.C., all kinds of fascinating topics, and I think that Jordan Peterson has been leaving us breadcrumbs all along. I think he's actually very shrewd, and he doesn't want to be overt in terms of where he lands. One of his good friends is Jonathan Pajai, I think is how you say his last name, who's an Orthodox Christian. And I got a great video. We're going to react to that at one point. And he uh, is, is overt in his faith. But Jordan Peterson isn't very clear on where he is with the issue of the resurrection. In the past, he said the resurrection of Jesus. He's agnostic on it. He's not sure if it literally happened. But he continues to live his life as if God exists. So in this documentary he put out called The Bible, the Most Influential Book in the History of the World, he goes in on, not him, in the in this documentary, he allows a couple of other people who come from the Christian tradition to explain all the ways that Christianity is very unique and very specific with regards to logos and with regards to literacy. So let's jump into this clip. This is, you guys should really watch this entire documentary. This, this thing is fascinating. It's really, 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 really been done. So I'm going to play you guys two clips. One is from this documentary, and one is an older clip of Jordan Peterson kind of echoing some of these same things. Chaos, which you find also in the, in so many creation stories from around the world, is that in the beginning that there is this disordered state yeah, out of Confused, control, unformed, out, out of full of potential. And out of that comes the order. You know, John 1 begins with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. God is before all time. So here's a Christian breaking down the idea of John 1-1, okay? And we're going to look at that verse here in a moment with regards to what the Greek actually says. If he is the creator of the world, he created beauty. Beauty and truth are linked together. The postmodernists will tell us that beauty doesn't exist. It only exists in, in whatever you can create for yourself in life. Beauty and truth are linked together. This is this is incredible language in terms of what's being described here. But we believe that all the evidence around us points to a world, to music, to human love that all point to beauty, that point to a creator, God. Come on. In the Greek, it's enarche in logos. Uh, in the beginning was the word, uh, which Jerome had translated as uh, in principio erat verbum. Uh, verbum just literally means a word, where logos in Greek has so many broad intellectual contexts Come on. to it. If language is to make sense, logic is to make sense, beauty, music, there must be sense at the root of the universe. Sheesh. And this is all going back to that word, logos, and the John 1-1 creation story. There must be logos, not just the spoken word, but also the unspoken word in the mind. Which is you, you, so you guys see how important that word logos is, right? In the beginning was the logos, the logos of God. 
right? In the beginning, and, and, and so like if we go to the verse here, we see it, right? This is in the Greek. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? Now, of course, we know if you scroll down in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and blood and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, okay? So we see the Word, which is what they're describing, is logos. So it, it, it actually means so much more than just Word. It means much more than just the word, word. Because sometimes you people get confused and they think, oh, this just means word as in like the Bible. In the beginning was the Bible, right? No, 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 no. This word logos is in the beginning a, a logos of speech, a word uttered by a living voice, embodies a conception or idea, a word, uh, the sayings of God, a decree, mandate, or order of the moral precepts given, given by God, Old Testament, given by the prophets, what is declared, a thought, declaration, um, discord, the act of speaking, speech, right? Doctrine, teaching, regard, consideration, reckoning, okay? So this word means so much more than just a word. Spoken word, but also the unspoken word in the mind, which is the sense. In the beginning was reason, in the beginning was sense, or as the Old Testament said, in the beginning was wisdom with God. And so all of this is significant because this is what makes Christianity so distinct, is in the beginning was the sense, the logic, the reason. All of these things are intertwined. The wisdom are intertwined with God. Then all those things becoming flesh, becoming becoming Jesus in the flesh, right? And so Jordan Peterson has this entire segment right in the first 10 minutes of this biblical literacy documentary of Logos and Ligacy. And so I went back and I found this old clip of Jordan, and here he is. Noticeably, you know, this is this is years ago, but he's been on this for a while. And so this is him, um, the articulated truth, Jordan Peterson, Logos. He talks about the Logos all the time. And so now listen to what he says about this. Christianity makes the assumption that the, Christianity makes the assumption that the Word of God that pulls order out of chaos at the beginning of time, the Logos, is the thing that's Christ, you know, so many eons later. They're the same thing. It's like, the hell does that mean? Well, it's like, if you embody the immortal soul pro properly, you're the thing that generates order from chaos, or sometimes the reverse. You make, you know, you're the transforming agent that sits at the middle of order and chaos. Okay, so that's the same thing that was there in the beginning. Well, that's the beginning of, of being, not the beginning of the universe. It's the beginning of being. Those aren't the same thing. So, and the Christians figure out that this Logos thing is very much associated with articulated truth. Articulated truth. And so the Christian idea, in part, is and this is, this is where Nietzsche had it wrong, I think, because he was, he, was, he was too cynical about Osiris. He was too cynical about Christianity. He thought all it was was rotten infrastructure. You know, so he, he saw how it had become dogmatized and corrupted across time, but he didn't see what was in the center of it. Jeez. And, you know, his Superman was sort of a substitute for that, but he never fleshed that out well. But Jung started to play with the Superman idea and with the idea of the Philosopher's Stone, and he was studying Christianity, and at one point he, th he saw, oh, oh, those are the same thing. They're all the same thing. It's complicated, but one of the things that you recognized was that the core doctrine of Christianity, in some sense, is the truth buttresses you most thoroughly against the vicissitudes of being. That's your salvation, the truth, the spoken truth. It's not... Which is Jesus. Remember, the Logos is Jesus. So it seems as if 
Jordan Peterson has been on this pursuit, dare I say, discovery that Jesus has been at the center of everything, of the creation story, of what is truth, of what is logic, of what is reason, right? That that he's not, it's not Jesus is God out there. It's that Jesus is God, that at the, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every mouth will confess that Jesus is Lord right? The Jesus King. Hey, you want to see something crazy? 67% of the people who watch this channel are not subscribed. Do me a quick favor. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on all the videos here on the Bless God Studios channel. So that Jesus said, and, and so I think sometimes like we, mi we miss the depth of this because we hear all this in very like religious language. Like we hear it in the context of the Bible. When you remove the context of just the Bible and you expand the context to what is logos throughout earth, space, time, what does that mean? That Jesus really is at the center of it all. And so uh, let, let's play a little bit more of this. So you might say, well, people say, Christians say, well, if you believe in Christ, you're saved. Well, what do you mean by believe exactly? You say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, mm -hmm. and you say, I believe that. Just because you say that doesn't mean you believe it at all. It has almost no bearing on what you believe. The question is, how do you act? And the mm -hmm. fundamental question that's under all that is, is your speech true? Now, then you might ask, well, what does true mean? And well, the answer to that would be, it's twofold. So, so, so you see what he said, right? Like, because we know that even the demons believe in, in, in shudder, right? But he's saying... He's echoing Romans 10, which it says, if you, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that uh, you will be saved, right? For it is with your mouth you confess and it is with your heart you believe. And he's pointing back to, well, what does that mean? What do you mean by believe? What do you mean, what do you mean that when you say believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Logos, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is reason, logic, wisdom, creator, all of it, right? What, is, what, what, what does that mean to believe something when we see Jesus echoing, if you believe in me, you will abide in me? And, and, and how does that flesh out? And so he kind of ties it into being truth. But I think what it means to, to, to me, and I think what the scriptures would testify, is that if you believe in something with your heart, that that requires a response to it. And also, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that there is a heart change, there's a transformative process that happens from the inside out. See, religion is from the outside in. Religion is, I need to adjust all these different things about my life because I know I'm not living right and I need mercy from God and I need to do these rules I need to keep. But I think Christianity is unique in that it's coming from the inside out. That something about this Jesus, this logos, this, 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 this center of absolute truth, the way, the truth, the life, something from, from in me placing my faith in this Jesus, this Yeshua, Something supernatural happens in my heart. And the things that I once loved, my sin, the world's way of doing things, being my own God, I hate those things. And the things that I once hated, church, religion, order, submission, worship, all of a sudden those things I begin to love. I developed an appetite for the Bible. I didn't understand why I, I, I want to be around Christians. I used to think Christians were weirdos. No, I want to be around Christians. All of a sudden now I'm thinking, I, I can't fornicate with my girlfriend. I can't do that. I can't, I, and if I have a slip up, I can't go, no longer just go to the clinic and take care of it. I can't do that. That No, no, no. There's something about that that's wrong, right? Like No one told me these things. No one said these things to me. Something just 
clicked. It was like the light bulb went off. And I think that's what's unique about Christianity. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I feel like, I, feel, see, I, don't, I don't like using field statements, but I feel like this is just like, if I, if I had to be honest with you guys, I think Jordan Peterson is le- leaving us these little breadcrumbs in an attempt, whether this is good or bad, this is not a judgment call, whether this is good or bad, in an attempt to not alienate his audience that has agnostics and has Muslims and has atheists and has Jewish people a part of it because everyone wants to claim him for himself. And so I think he is attempting to articulate something plainly without going all the way and, and, and taking a label on himself. Now, I'm the type where, like, I, I'll just rock out with the label. I don't, I, I, Christian everything, right? And I don't think he would deny being a Christian, but when you try to pin him down on, what about the resurrection? What about that? And so I think he, instead of talking about the supremacy of Christ, he talks about the supremacy of the Logos, which is synonymous, which is Christ, right? Christ and the Logos is, is one and the same. What are you trying to do with your speech? There's two things you can do with it. One is, you can manipulate reality so that it does what you want it to do. Mm. So, and that's the sort of speech that people use when they're trying to get what they want. The problem with that is that there's no way that they, they can't actually know what they want. They just hypothesize what it is that they want based on some theory, and then they try to manipulate the world so that they get that. But it's an unsatisfying venture, and often when they do get it, it's not good anyways. So, and it involves a kind of falsity of speech. The other way is to try to say what you mean and think and perceive as clearly as you possibly can, always, and see what happens. Now, the, the, the story that underlies Christianity, and it's not only Christianity, but it's Christianity that I'm most familiar with, is that the rule is live in accordance with the truth and see what happens. Mm. So in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Christ basically says, set your sights on allegiance to God. It's like whatever the highest value is, we'll say. Act in a manner that's concordant with that. So that's your goal. Then pay attention to the here and now, your best strategy for the future. That's good. Set your sight on the things of God. Seek first this kingdom, you know, uh, seek first God and his righteousness. All these things will be added on to you. And you might say, well, prove that. It's like, well, that's when the question starts to become existential. It's like, well, you can't prove it. You have to try it. That's like Kierkegaard's leap of faith. You cannot tell if this works unless you do it. And that's a commitment. And this is what I would say to you guys, man. If you're on the fence, if you're not sure, if you're in a feedback loop, do your best to live God's ways. Do your best to live God's ways. Figure out what God's word says and, and do your very best to live God's ways. You're in a relationship that's tumultuous right now. I get it. I've been there. Figure out what God's design is for relationships, for marriage, and start implementing the, the, the ways of God based on what the scripture, written word of God says, and start implementing that into your marriage. If you're struggling and you're a man in a marriage, start loving your wife the way Christ loved the church sacrificing for her, laying down his life. See what will happen, right? If you're a woman and you're having trouble in your marriage, start submitting and respecting your husband. See what happens. You see what I mean? And there's tons and tons of books about what it means to love your wife the way Christ loves the church and the way that, you know, like there's so much out there about about all these different things. But you start implementing these things and watch what happens right? You're going through a financial hardship. Okay. The Bible got a whole lot to say about money. Start reading the Proverbs. What do the Proverbs say about money? Oh, the, the, the Proverbs got a whole lot to say about money. Proverbs talk about saving up for a rainy day. Proverbs talk about not going into a bunch of debt. Proverbs talk about not chasing fantasies and working your land. 
start implementing those principles into your finances. Get on a written budget. Develop more useful skills so you could be a better blessing to your network, right? Pay off your debts. Get out of debt. Gazelle intensity. Start implementing those things and watch what starts to happen. Watch what starts to happen. This is the beautiful part about implementing the word of God is that I, and this is, this is, this, this may be a crazy thought. Some of you guys might be offended by this, but I believe God's word is so true that people who don't follow God can implement his ways in his word and get the benefits of it. Think about that for a second. God's ways are so true. God's ways are so good. That people who don't follow God, I'll give you guys an example, and I, and I don't want to make a whole video about this, but just uh, Alex Hermosi. Alex Hermosi is one of the biggest thought leaders in business right now. The dude's running a hundred million dollar business. He ends up, uh, uh, he's, I, 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 I guarantee you, this dude would be a billionaire at some point. He has a YouTube channel. He does really good business advice. Alex Hermosi talks about a lot of this this stuff from a business standpoint: value added to your customer, putting your customers' needs for it. How does and He's brilliant. And Alex Hermosi came from a Christian background. He was he was saved. He was following Jesus. And he unfortunately deconverted. I made a couple of videos about him. And I reached out to him. I said, do you see the parallel of the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible and how much it influences and drives your teaching of business and philosophy, yet you're disconnected from the source of that directly, but you're still implementing the teachings of of, of, of the scriptures in your business advice and in the books you're writing. And he said, yes. He couldn't go, he's like, I, I can't go into all of it, but yes, right? <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? That people who will implement the ways of God yet deconvert from a relationship with God for whatever reason, and I and I'm praying for Alex, still get the benefits of implementing the ways of God. That's how good God's ways are. So if you are struggling, start implementing the ways of God into your life, into whatever area you're struggling in, whether that be finances, whether that be relationships, whether that be whatever, and 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 watch what happens. And then you will know that that, that the ways just testified to the to, to, to the to the logos, to the Jesus, to the Christ behind the ways to be true. That Jesus is who he says he is. And we can test that. Hey, this clip is from our daily after-party stream. If you enjoyed it, consider signing up for our Patreon community for only $5 a month where you get access to the replays of our daily after-party streams as well as the uncut extended versions of our podcast, Discord access that's private, and a discount code for our merch store, only $5 a month. And ultimately, it's the best way to help us contextualize the gospel of Jesus using media, podcasting, and of course, YouTube. The link for that is in the description or in the pinned comment. The perks are amazing. You should get on there. It's only $5 a month. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.